Dustin Childs is a bounty hunter. Not quite like Dog the Bounty Hunter, that guy from TV who chased down fugitives in Hawaii. Dustin's bounty hunting involves less running and more typing. Well, welcome to my world, which is the bug bounty world. And there's vendors. Dustin goes after computer bugs and collects or pays bounties for them. He's the head of threat awareness for Trend Micro's Zero Day Initiative. Trend Micro is an IT security company, and the Zero Day Initiative is the world's largest independent bug bounty program. Well, we buy all sorts of bugs. Uh, and we've been at this since 2005. So we take the bugs and we use them to write filters for our products. So our customers get protected right away. And then we report the bugs to the vendors so that they can patch it. We, we buy bugs in Microsoft bugs, Apple bugs, Trend Micro, Google, uh, Adobe, you name it. We have a, a remote team. Uh, we're all over the world. And they're looking, they're doing their own research, reporting their own bugs. They find a bug, which is essentially a vulnerability in the code. Then they tell Dustin about it, and he pays them a bounty for their trouble. So depending on the type of bug, it could be worth $150, and depending on where it's sold, it could be worth up to $15 million. And the monster whale, the big get when it comes to coding errors, is something called a zero day. And there are different kinds of zero days, some more dangerous than others. But the easiest way to think about them is to see them as an unpatched hole in widely used software or technology that no one knows about yet. And because no one knows about it, no one has patched it, they can fetch very big bounties. Right now, I think $2.5 million for a zero-day exploit in Android phones. The most rare and prized exploits are zero-days that are loaded up with other code to make them more pernicious. And then they become part of epic hacks. Those kinds of exploits are so hard to find that they're really expensive to buy. So usually, only nation-states can afford them. The list of zero-day hacks includes things like NotPetya, which was launched by hackers working with Russian intelligence. In that case, they only used one zero-day exploit. It quickly spread, paralyzing major companies and causing more than $10 billion in damage. Senior Stuxnet, which is thought to be the work of Israel in the U.S., used four zero-day exploits. Someone sabotaged a top-secret nuclear installation in Iran with nothing more than a long string of computer code. So to see an exploit out of that nation-state context, to see one used by an unaffiliated ransomware group, that makes someone like Dustin really sit up and take notice, which is exactly what happened a few months ago with a file transfer service called MoveIt. It became the blockbuster hack of the summer. We begin tonight with a significant cyber attack. The data breach of the MoveIt system was discovered this summer. U.S. government officials say there has been an attack on federal agencies, hospitals, and schools. So far, the MoveIt hack has affected some 1,000 organizations, and it may have exposed the personal information of some 60 million people. And some experts say that may be only scratching the surface. I'm Dina Temple-Raston, and this is Click Here, a podcast about all things cyber and intelligence. We tell true stories about the people making and breaking our digital world. And today, 
we look at CLOP, spelled C-L-0-P. They're the Russian-speaking ransomware group behind the Move It hack. And they've made targeting obscure but critical middleware programs a specialty. And with this latest attack, they used a zero-day bug to do it. They know what they're doing. They're not doing things on accident, but it, it shows that they definitely have a playbook and they're sticking to it. Stay with us. If you're looking for a daily guide to cybersecurity news and policy, sign up for the Cyber Daily from Recorded Future News. It serves up the day's most interesting and important cyber stories from our sister publication, The Record, and then aggregates all of the big cyber stories you might have missed from news outlets around the world. Just go to therecord.media and click on Cyber Daily to get all you need to know about the world of cybersecurity right in your inbox. Hello, I'm Adam Fleming from the Global Story podcast from the BBC World Service. We are looking at Lena Khan, the face of the US government's battle to regulate big tech. She's already redefined the way we talk about monopolies. Now she's taking on the likes of Amazon and Meta. But who is she and will she win? The Global Story brings you fresh takes and smart perspectives from BBC journalists around the world. Find us wherever you get your BBC podcasts. Klopp is a Russian-speaking ransomware gang that's been committing cybercrimes since 2018. Their attacks tend to be standard fare. Hack into a company's network, encrypt their files so they can't use them, demand a ransom, and then, if they get paid, provide a key that unlocks the files. In the past five years, Klopp is believed to have raked in at least $500 million from its victims, which is the kind of number that puts a hacker in the crosshairs of police. This is a video from an international sting operation on Klopp's hideouts near Kyiv. They called it Operation Cyclone. That's the sound of a buzzsaw. The video shows police actually sawing a hole in the front door of one of the suspects. Then they cut to a shot of a young guy and a woman in their pajamas sitting on a couch. Their faces are blurred but you can hear the police reading the charges against them. They're money launderers for Klopp. Then the video cuts to police in white surgical gloves counting stacks of rubles. The suspected money launderers, they take the cryptocurrency payments Klopp gets as ransom and then they turn it into cash. And there are so many stacks of cash laid out on the floor, it looks like a carpet. A Ukrainian police officer offers a bit of a declaration at the end of the video. He says, we're ready to conduct these kinds of international operations in the future. We will resist hackers throughout Ukraine. And the world is not alone. We will be your partner. Operation Cyclone didn't seem to cramp Klopp's style much, though. They had already attacked the file transfer service inside Excelion, a firewall vendor. And then, earlier this year, they set their sights on Go Anywhere, another file transfer system. So in some ways, we should have seen Move It coming. Or at least it shouldn't have come as a surprise. Even so, it did catch Dustin Childs off guard. 
He remembers exactly where he was when the Move It hack went public. He was on holiday. So I was scrolling my phone uh, on a beach next to a pool, and uh, yeah, it's like, great, why does it always happen on vacation? All he knew initially was that there was a zero day used to attack a file transfer program he'd never ever heard of. The first thing that went through my mind is, what is Move It? Uh, because it was not a uh, software that I was familiar with. But it turns out, MoveIt is a major player in the file-sharing world. Your business depends on transferring mission-critical sensitive data securely and reliably. MoveIt can help. That's from one of MoveIt's promotional videos. Its transfer service is ubiquitous. It has thousands of corporate clients, Chase Bank, Disney, and Johns Hopkins University. Also, lots of government clients, like the Department of Energy. You may have even used it, too, maybe to upload your W-2 to your tax preparer or to send your mortgage papers back to the bank. Even so, MoveIt is so behind the scenes that users might not even realize they're using it. I had never heard of it. I mean, I, I give my information to my accountant for my taxes over one of these. I, in fact, it might be MoveIt. I have no idea what the thing is. It's a private branded web portal. I just, I go, hey, they're giving me a secure way to send them files. And like everybody else in the world, I click the upload button, right? And I put all my stuff in. And I never considered like, how secure is this thing? Because I just assume it's like a secure file transfer service. This company must invest a lot of money in security if the thing they're selling is a security thing, right? But I guess that's a bit too much to expect. That's Chester Wisniewski. I'm field chief technology officer for applied research at Sophos. Sophos is a global enterprise security company, which basically means they secure company networks. And security is a big part of MoveIt's sales pitch. MoveIt keeps your files secure, both in transit and at rest, with a tamper-evident audit log. So you can prove The MoveIt service is pretty simple. You put in an email address for where it's going, type your email in for where it's from, and then you drag the file over to a box and hit send. MoveIt also allows you to search the files you've uploaded to their system. When you want to look something up, right? If you type something in, it has to turn that into a query to the database to go retrieve the results for you. And there was a bug in the MoveIt product. And Chester says that that flaw the Clop hackers found allowed them to arbitrarily retrieve any file uploaded to MoveIt by anyone. It gave them a kind of super administrator's access that allowed them to put malicious computer code inside the victim's system. And in this case, the criminals used these bugs to plant a backdoor. A backdoor that allowed them access to the system even after the bug was fixed. If the criminals had managed to access your system, even if you then went and applied the update, they could still get back in. So that if you close the original hole, they had a, a new hole to come in. Which is exactly what happened. MoveIt discovered Klopp's initial breach and then patched that original hole, instructing customers to ensure that their own systems hadn't been compromised in the meantime. The concern? That Klopp had managed to plant a back door that they might not have known about. They were able to sort of write a bot, basically, that would automatically find every MoveIt server in the world, you know, steal the data from it in an automated fashion and place a backdoor on them. And because they had programmed a computer to do it all for them... There was very little labor or personal human effort going into targeting. So by breaking into just one entity in this automated way, Klopp had gained access to private data held by thousands of organizations. And from a hacker's perspective, all of this was brilliantly efficient. 
Why go through the effort of hacking thousands of companies one by one when you could get the same results faster by hacking a middleman like MoveIt? It turns out that wasn't Klopp's only bright idea. When we come back, an evolution of the ransomware business model. Stay with us. Politics has never been stranger or more online, which is why the politics team at Wired is making a new show, Wired Politics Lab. It's all about how to navigate the endless stream of news and information and what to look out for. Each week on the show, we'll dig into far-right platforms, AI chatbots, influencer campaigns, and so much more. Wired Politics Lab launches Thursday, April 11th. Follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Click Here. I'm Dina Temple-Raston. The attack on MoveIt appears to be an evolution of something that's been building over the past few years. Back in 2019, Russian state-sponsored hackers took aim at the SolarWinds management software. It was seen as a supply chain attack. You could get into lots of networks with a kind of bank shot, attacking software your target uses instead of the target itself. And Dustin Childs, the bug bounty guy we talked to at the beginning of the episode, said the MoveIt hack is a kind of updated version of that. MoveIt is something called middleware. Attack that, and it turns out you can monkey bar into the networks of thousands of other companies. These middleware programs are a problem. They are very susceptible because there hasn't been a lot of scrutiny. Big name programs like Microsoft Windows or Mac OS or Google Chrome, they've got lots of people looking at their code. And as a result, they're pretty secure. But more obscure software, say the code that allows applications to talk to each other or file transfer systems like MoveIt, well, not so much. The perimeter is very secure. The desktop is very secure. The stuff in the middle, it's kind of like the chocolatey nougat uh, that that you can get in there and, and really take advantage of. The vulnerability of that GUI center seems to be something Klopp understood. They may have some very glaring holes that people can exploit once they really shine a spotlight on them. Because if there's one bug, that usually means there's a lot of bugs. So there's a viable path to destruction, essentially, through this middleware. To pave that path to destruction and move it, Klopp bought a zero day. There are essentially two kinds of zero days. The cheaper version, just the bug itself, a flaw that gets you in, or the premium version, an exploit, which is a bug fully loaded with all the bad things you can do once you're in. You can think of the bug as a key to get into a room, and the exploit as the key plus tools and a map of what to steal or destroy once you're inside. The FBI or China usually buys those fully loaded exploits, but Klopp just bought the cheaper bug. And how do you think they got their hands on a zero day? Uh, There's multiple ways they could have acquired it. There are underground forums where there are auctions. Uh, they could have someone on their group who actually found the zero day, uh, or they could have purchased it from uh, an initial access broker. Think of initial access brokers as a kind of specialist. They're hackers who are really good at breaking into systems, and they essentially sell access to something they've already broken into. So if one were to guess, Dustin says, Klopp may have bought this bargain basement move at zero day for like $20,000. 
And Dustin is so good at pricing this because this is exactly the kind of thing he pays people to find in his bug bounty business, which can be incredibly profitable. There's uh, people around the world where finding a zero day is life-changing for them. We uh, have one researcher in uh, Ethiopia, and he was punching the air because we essentially made him the richest man in his village. And CLOP members have become some of the richest guys on the dark web because they're finding or buying these zero-day bugs and actually deploying them in a very methodical way. They seem to be a little bit more on the professional side. I, I don't like to use the word professional with when it comes to ransomware because I, it is a criminal activity, uh, but I would say they color with a different crown. And now, increasingly, they're coloring outside the lines. We said earlier the traditional ransomware attack is break in, encrypt the data, send a ransom note, get paid, unscramble the data. But now it appears they've evolved their business model. They've started skipping a couple of those steps. They're breaking into networks, stealing data, and not even bothering to lock move its clients out by encrypting it. Clop figures, why bother with that? We have your data and you know it. They just put out an alert that says they will either make your data public or sell it on the dark web if you don't pay up. And that seems to be enough of a threat. They don't seem to be in a rush. It's like, you know, we'll just take our time. We'll sit here on your data. You know, there's nothing. We already have it, so there's nothing you could do about it. And we'll just get to you when we get to you. Which may be a sign that they're testing a new, more efficient way to do ransomware. Chester Wisniewski again. To me, this one feels like a, a dipping in the toe in the water to see if they can get away with just having extortion as opposed to encryption. Focusing on just extortion saves time, and it may be more effective. Ransomware isn't the big unexpected thing it used to be. These days, most companies have backup systems ready in the event of a ransomware attack. So payouts are becoming more rare. According to an analysis by Coveware, a ransomware recovery firm, in the second quarter of 2023, only 34% of companies targeted by ransomware attacks decided to pay the ransoms to unlock their data. That's a record low. But if you buy a zero-day vulnerability for, say, 20 grand, and you're able to compromise tens of millions of people, do the math. It's quantity over quality. Covor estimates that's an approach that could land $75 million into Klopp's pockets. And Chester says he could see the argument. When you do a traditional ransomware attack, you're generally only able to target a few victims per week. Extortion is far simpler, faster, and cheaper for the criminals. It's not that they will extort people one by one. That would take forever. Instead, they go after the companies. It would take a long time to commit identity theft against the 25 million Americans who had their records stolen, right? I mean, that's, it's a monumental effort to exploit that many people. But the companies who lost that data, of course, may be subject to uh, class action lawsuits, regulation, fines, and there was literally nothing they could have done to protect themselves, right? Simply having bought the MoveIt software was all they did wrong. As for lawsuits, Chester's right. We tracked down Tyler Bean, an attorney with Syrian Glimstad, a Manhattan-based law firm representing victims of the MoveIt breach. There have been roughly 50 cases uh, that have been filed across the country against either Progress Software or against Progress Software clients. Progress Software owns MoveIt. He says the company was negligent. 
So we heard from some security researchers who say that the risk to any one individual is pretty low in this sort of breach. What do you make of that argument? I would like to discuss that with them. There are absolutely individuals who have already experienced misuse of their information. There are already individuals who have received notifications from uh, legitimate credit monitoring and identity theft services that their information has been found on the dark web. Fraudulent charges to credit cards and debit cards. A breach of this size, he added, isn't about just dollars and cents. There's the anxiety of knowing that your private information could be out there, on the dark web, just waiting for the highest bidder. How did Progress Software and the companies that were using the Move It transfer application let this happen? It's happened many times before, even by the same Russian cyber gang. When are companies going to finally invest in protecting these individuals and their private information? We reached out to Progress Software, and the company declined to comment on the ongoing litigation. In the meantime, Klopp continues to sit on the data of millions of people, including, we discovered, the data of a couple of people here on the Click Here team. It all begs the question as to whether Klopp is onto something. Is an encryption-free holdup the next big thing? Or is it just an experiment that will fade in the fullness of time? I do think this will be a trend if, for a while, if nothing else, because Klopp has been incredibly successful. If one ransomware group is very successful, the other ransomware groups will see that success and try to imitate it. The U.S. State Department is offering a $10 million reward for any information that can lead to the arrest of members of Klopp. Just FYI for any of you bounty hunters out there. We're going to hunt this scum down. This is Click Here. Here are some of the top cyber and intelligence stories of the past week. The Metropolitan Police Service in London is looking into what looks like a hack into one of its suppliers. The breach may have exposed officers' personal protected information. According to a spokesperson for the force, a company responsible for printing the officers' identity cards, those badges they flash, was hacked. So 47,000 people who make up the force have been notified about the possible exposure of their names, photographs, and ranks. Their addresses and phone numbers were not held in the supplier's database, according to the Sun newspaper. The National Crime Agency has been called in to investigate over fears that the data could be exploited by organized crime or terrorists to fabricate warrant cards or to target officers. One of the oldest historical societies in the state of Ohio, the Ohio History Connection, was hit with a ransomware attack. The Connection is a statewide history nonprofit, and it's said in early July, cyber criminals attacked internal servers and encrypted them. They wanted millions in ransom to release the files, and the History Connection's ransom counteroffer was rejected. So the hackers have started to release names, addresses, and social security numbers of people who were employed by the organization between 2009 and 2023. The hackers appear to have stolen W-9 reports and other records. All told, about 7,600 people were likely affected by the incident. And finally, Lazarus, a notorious hacking group working on behalf of the North Korean government, is targeting healthcare facilities in the US and Europe. And they're using a new malware strain. 
Security researchers from Cisco Talos say Lazarus hackers are exploiting a vulnerability in the Manage Engine service desk. Manage Engine helps companies manage their IT services and is particularly popular with Fortune 500 organizations. The company behind Manage Engine said back in January that there was a vulnerability being exploited by hackers. The new malware strain Cisco Talos found allows the hackers to gather data about the infected device, and it also has a feature that allows it to sleep for predetermined amounts of time, which makes it much harder for cybersecurity officials to find it. I'm Dina Temple-Raston, and I'm the executive producer and host of the show. Sean Powers is our senior producer and marketing director, and Will Jarvis is our producer. Lucas Riley is one of our writers. Our editing team is led by Karen Duffin and Lou Olkowski. Darren Ancrum does our fact-checking, and our theme and original music compositions are by Ben Levingston. We also use Blue Dot Sessions. And we'd love to hear from you. Please leave us a review and rating wherever you get your podcasts, or send us an email at clickhere@recordedfuture.com. Check out our website with details about our shows and our whole catalog at clickhereshow.com. That's a wrap for this week. I'm Dina Temple-Raston. We'll be back on Tuesday. Looking for more of the cybersecurity and intelligence coverage you get on Click Here? Then check out our sister publication, The Record, from Recorded Future News. You'll get breaking cyber news from reporters in New York, Washington, London, and Kiev, among others. And you'll see for yourself why it attracts hundreds of thousands of page views every month. Just go to the record.media.